pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just What is going on, everybody? And welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast, a Cold Front Report multicast. Joining me, I'm Clayton. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. And joining me as always, I'm Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at Real J U V E I N O. Jeff, it was quite some game this week. It's just a typical Bills performance, was it not? Up and down, roller coaster of emotions, your heart's pounding out of your chest. It was one crazy game between the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. Don't get me wrong. Is it a victory? Oh, yeah, it is a victory, a 35 to 32 victory. But there's a lot to chew in. There's a lot to bite into with this game. Yeah, third quarter woes continued for the Bills, but they found a way to win. Um, You know, we'll talk about the defense's major issues yesterday, but Allen stepped up. Josh Allen stepped up in the fourth quarter. He led the game-winning drive that they needed. So despite the third quarter struggles, the Bills are 3-0. Yeah, yeah, third quarter struggles. We'll definitely get into into all that. But first and foremost, like you touched on, Josh Allen on that last drive. Let's talk about this offense because this was definitely – I felt like it was a really good performance by this offense, and it was a really good performance by this offense for the first really 38 minutes of this game. They dominated this game. They controlled the pace. They were they were moving the ball at will, it felt like, on more, more occasions than not. And it led to another stellar performance from Josh Allen, but also one of the first really nice performances from second-year running back Devin Singletary as he averaged five and a half yards per carry and had over 120 total yards for this Bills offense. Yeah, the Bills offense was really two-dimensional on Sunday, and Singletary kind of got his first chance to shine, both running the ball and catching it. And, you know, when the Bills off when the Bills run game is going, it just makes the offense so much more potent when Allen's throwing the ball as well as he has been this year. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice to see uh Brian Dable get Devin Singletary involved with this offense early and often. And you know, I I've given some variation of criticism for the last two weeks for that not being the case. But the off, the passing offense was obviously efficient once again. Josh Allen with another 300-yard performance, three 300-yard games in a row, four touchdowns and kind of an interception, and his 10th game-winning drive, a fourth-quarter comeback on that last drive, a solid game for Allen. And again, 24 for 33 completion percentage. He's throwing at a 70% clip 33 games into the season. Unreal. 12 quarters into this guy's third season, and he's throwing at a 70% clip. I'm almost taking – I'm taking it back entirely by that. I I wouldn't say I, – I was expecting Josh Allen to take a jump this season. I, that, that's well documented. Everybody knows that. I've, I've ranted and raved about how Josh Allen's about to have an MVP caliber season throughout the offseason, and here we are. And it's almost the embodiment of it. But 70%, even I wasn't – I didn't have that lofty of expectations for Josh Allen this year as far as his completion percentage is concerned. Josh Allen just keeps rolling. The fourth quarter drive was so clutch, and it was another near-perfect game. You know, after watching the performance yesterday, there were some up and downs. I came away with these three words. I've got three words for you, Clayton, to describe Josh Allen this year and who I think, what I think his identity is becoming as the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. The first one is exciting. That's absolutely undeniable, whether he's 
making good plays or making bad plays. He is super exciting. The second one is he's innovative. He can make plays happen with his legs and with his arm. I mean, his arm strength is such an underrated weapon. He can sling the ball in for good or for bad because there's some passes that he, some balls that he shouldn't throw, but it's another weapon for him. And number three is unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get when Josh Allen drops back to pass. He can run it. He can throw it deep. And when Josh Allen is throwing the deep ball this year, Bills fans just collectively hold their breath because there's a lot of really good receivers running down the, the field. They can catch that ball and he, and he can throw short screens and he can run design runs. And his unpredictability is just, it's just so valuable if you're the Bills offense. And so those three words to me really have described how he's played so far. And for Bills fans, those are three compliments coming from me. Yeah, the compliments are not easy to come by from Jeff Uvino regarding the Bills. <laughs> come on. Regard you got to re reel me in on my MVP talk again? I again. think that those are three objective, fair compliments. They, they are three objective, fair compliments. But we're three weeks into this, Jeff, and this train ain't stopping. We're three weeks into this, and Josh Allen's still going. A 300-yard passing streak. It, it, it was, what, four years without a 300-yard passer? And every it was all anybody wanted to talk about Josh Allen's first couple seasons. It was all anybody wanted to talk Oh, Sam Darnold's throwing 300 yards in this game. This guy's throwing 300 yards that game. And it was almost to the point where we were forced to just kind of – it was kind of white noise to Bills fans, people who – didn't really believe in that aspect of having a 300-yard passer. No, I'm not a person that said, oh, he needs to pass for 300 yards to be a bonafide quarterback. I never said that, not once. But it is definitely a little reassuring and a bit of a confidence boost watching him being able to do it at will. Because, no, 300-yard passing quarterbacks do not directly coincide with winning football games, but it just it's relative to having a an efficient passing offense. And that's something that the Bills haven't had for so long and now they do and they've had and it's been to be quite honest with the lapse of the defense these last couple of weeks it's been the best aspect of the football team yeah it's it's almost like Josh Allen has heard so much over the first two years of his career that he hasn't thrown for 300 yards that he just decided he's going to do it in every single game this season he's been one of the best players in the NFL that's undeniable and, um, you know, I do have my criticisms of him, but he has absolutely shut me up so far this year. And it's it's been a beautiful thing if you root for the Bills. Is he an MVP right now? Is he the MVP of the league right now? Is he top two? Yes. Okay. He is. However, I told you this today. If we're going, we're not going to have an MVP discussion because it's week four. It's before week four. I refuse to talk about who the MVP of the league is going to be come January when it's September. Now, if the season was three weeks long, Josh Allen should be the NFL MVP runner up to Russell Wilson. I think ever, I think that most people who watch the NFL can agree with that. However, I'm not willing to have this conversation until at least another month. And I'm going to stand by that no matter how well he plays. I, I can agree with you. I can agree with you. I'm not. I haven't said that Josh Allen's the most valuable player in the league. I just said he's on pace to be. That's all I said. That's all I said. But to be entirely fair, I did talk to you about this earlier today. I talked to you about this this discussion of whether Josh Allen's an MVP or not. 
How many midseason MVP awards do you think a guy like Matthew Stafford has won in his career? That's the exact that, that's the example that I gave to you immediately, because Matthew Stafford he's a he's quite comparable to Josh Allen. He's not he's not nearly the athlete that Josh Allen is, but as far as his arm talent, quite comparable. And you're right, you can't judge who the most valuable player in the league is based off of not even a month worth of games, not even a month worth worth of games. But almost a month into the season, and offenses are raving throughout this league. The, the, this, the, the league just in its entire, there has been more offensive production this season than there has been almost ever. Almost ever. With that being said, the Bills defense has also had back-to-back performances that were lackluster, and they looked human. This, I'm starting, I... I'm not sure how to feel about this defense, but Jeff, please tell me how you feel about the de- the defensive performance this past Sunday. I mean, the Rams' halftime adjustments just picked the Bills' defense apart. You can't forget that the Bills only gave up three points to the Rams' offense in the first half. I mean, the Rams' offense is really good. And the third quarter, though, has noticeably been the Bills' worst this whole season, the short season so far. And I think it's a result of in-game adjustments. The thing that stands out to me, though, is how they finish in the fourth quarter now. Third quarter was really rough. Really, the whole second half was really rough for the Bills' defense. Um, but they they found a way to win the game, and Allen did bail them out. Now, my big takeaway was the play of Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I get that he didn't really practice all week. He might be banged up. He might be rusty, but he noticeably missed several tackles in this game that he needs to make. Um, the rushing touchdown comes to mind. Uh, Edmonds filled that gap and met the running back at the line and just didn't make the tackle. He, he didn't make the tackle. He filled the hole, but he didn't stop him. And, you know, also the Rams had a third and one from midfield in the third quarter, I believe. Edmonds missed the tackle again, filled the hole, missed the tackle, and it ended up being a double-digit gain. Um, you know, he he's a great player. I think that we all view him as a great player, but he's got to make those plays. I mean, elite NFL linebackers make those plays. And so I think Edmonds needs to step up. I agree. I agree with you, but I, let me ask you this. Are you hitting the panic button on the Bills no, defense? No, not at all. You played a tremendous offense this week. I mean, we we saw what they've done the first two weeks. They've looked really good. Week one against the Cowboys, they looked super good. I know the Cowboys defense has been awful, but they've been clicking on all cylinders. They have so many weapons. Sean McVay is a tremendous coach. He makes tremendous adjustments in games. And so, no, I'm not hitting the panic button at all. I, you're going to have bad performances. We'll see how they do against the Raiders, who have had some success with their offense. Right, right. That's That's the point I was just about to make is if I watch that Raiders offense with Derek Carr, who, I don't know, I think Derek Carr and Jared Goff are comparable quarterbacks, to be quite honest with you. But if I watch that offense for the new for the Los, Las Vegas Raiders hum up and down the field against the Bills at any point of the game, like the Rams did in the second half, I will have a bit of concern. I will. You get a pass against Miami because you're missing two of your top – Two, two of your best players on your defense, two huge components for that defense running with an, a lot of chemistry, with a lot of synergy, with a lot – just those linebackers are huge for that defense and what they do schematically when dropping back to coverage or disguising blitzes and Tremaine Edmonds communicating the calls and whatnot to the entire defense. That's a huge aspect that a lot of people leave out of that Miami game. So for that game entirely, I, I kind of just give that defense a pass. 
I would that doesn't go for Levi Wallace though. The entire defense minus Levi Wallace. And then in this game, you get both of those linebackers back. And just like Rob Rover, I put I put it up and here, let me find it again. Rob Roper's Rob Roberson in the comments said Emmons is pulling up on his tackles. He's playing hurt. I agree with that 110%. He is playing hurt. He looks like he's thinking a little bit more about the physicality than he is about his reads. Because like you kind of mentioned, Jeff, Edmonds, he was kind of misreading a lot. Him, him and Milano both. And don't get me wrong. That is concerning, but they did miss the week prior. And they only practiced full, I believe, once together. And that was Friday. So they were only full part participants in practice once while getting prepared for one of the most complicated offenses from one of the most innovative offensive minds in the NFL. I, I, I'd say that the conversation for the top top offensive coordinator and top play caller in the NFL, it's a three-man it's a three-man race between Andy Reid, Greg Roman, and uh, Sean McVay. So I, I'm not putting them in any sort of order, but they're all their names in that are in that hat. And Sean McVay, who the Bills played this past week, his name is also in that hat. So I'm not hitting the panic button. You cannot tell me that it's time to freak out about this defense being this, being that. It's definitively bad. Now, after you watch one of the most efficient offenses in the league from these last three seasons, ever since Sean McVay has taken over that team, they have been as efficient as any team in the NFL. As efficient as anybody, especially running the football. Especially running the football. That's 6.2 yards per pop that we talked about last week, yeah, that showed up. That showed up, definitely. And it's not a matter of having the best running back in the league or the best offensive line in the league. It's a matter of having a very smart coach, a very smart coordinator, play caller, and play designer drawing things up for you and opening you up to have those kind of lanes to have seven, eight yards per pop. And it's not like it's not like this Rams offense wasn't humming with efficiency throughout the first two weeks of the season like you touched on. It's not like that isn't the case. It isn't like this is the first onslaught that we have seen the Rams put on a defense. It's the first onslaught we've seen the Rams put on a talented defense, absolutely. But it's not the first onslaught we've seen this Rams offense execute this season or in seasons prior. So until I see Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs with John Gruden's offense hum up and up and down the field against this Bills defense, I'm – I'm not nearly as concerned as some people appear to be. It's definitely not panic button time. Before I get going here, we had our first comment on the Batavia Muck Dogs hat. Go dogs! Before I start <laughs> here, um, but you got to realize you're playing a great offense this week. I mean, I just talked about it. The Rams' offense is very good. They beat up on everybody, and I think that Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, is a very smart football player who was a little off this week, and then. He wasn't even in the game the week before. So you miss that knowledge on the field a little bit. And the same thing with Milano. Now, I feel that it would be remiss not to, if we're going to say, if we're going to blame the poor defensive performance by the Bills on the fact that they're playing good offense, we would be remiss to not bring up the Miami game where Ryan Fitzpatrick picked them apart a little bit. I thought the secondary had a bad day, like I said last week, and you miss Edmonds and Milano a ton. And it shows that for a defensive unit in the NFL to be solid and be one of the best in the league. You need all of your parts working together. And when you take out those two guys in the middle of the defense, it's very noticeable. Now, as Edmonds and Milano get healthy, assuming that they do, uh, they're going to need to get right back in that role. They were last year. They're smart football players that can do everything for you. And 
maybe they just weren't hundred percent this week. I don't really have a concrete explanation of why two poor defensive performances in a row for a, a side that didn't really have many poor efforts last year. I mean, the bills defense last year was rock solid. The problem last year was they couldn't score enough points. So come out and make a statement this week for the bills defense. The Raiders have had some success. I mean, they won on Monday night football against the saints. They've been scoring about 20 points a game. Their defense has just been abysmal. So make a statement against them. I know you're not facing a superstar in Derek Carr, but make a statement. You know, if you're at Tremaine Edmonds, come back, have a big game, and maybe change people's opinions a little bit. You know, another thing with that defense is last season, you know, two of the few poor performances that we saw against specifically the run of other teams, it was the Philadelphia Eagles and then the Cleveland Browns. And in both of those games, yes, I had gripes about offensive play calling in both of those games, and I felt like it led to a poor defensive performance. But the point being, the Bills were having struggles defending the run. And as Steve Wilson had pointed out earlier in the chat, it has been that, that that's been a problem ever since Sean McDermott had taken over. It had been at that point in time. But what gives me a little bit of optimism as far as these defensive concerns, and specifically with the run defense, is the fact that after those two games last year, the Bills' defense was one of the best in the league against the run. That is, I'm not saying that they went from they were okay to the best. I'm saying they went from middling to 20, 20s in the league, ranking in the league against the run, to one of the best defenses in the league against the run. That is an incredible turnaround. It's a 180-degree, almost a 180-degree turn. At no point was that Bills run defense that bad. But they they went from middling to one of the best. That shows me that this, this defense, not only does the personnel have the ability to adapt, evolve, and learn from your prior mistakes, it also shows me the ability from the coaching staff. And that's one of the issues I had coming out of this week. Because you don't allow a 25-point lead to disintegrate from simply just lack of execution or Josh Allen throwing a kind of interception. That doesn't just happen like that. Josh Josh Allen gave him the ball once, one time. It wasn't like you were fumbling all over yourself. It wasn't like Josh Allen was throwing it to defenders. No, it was a bullshit interception that probably shouldn't have been called in the first place. So in all reality – is that really what turned the game? Is that really what, what what changed this game and led to a surge of momentum for the Los Angeles Rams to just throw up 20 unanswered points on the Bills? They got out coached. Yeah. It's as simple as that. They got out coached in the third quarter. Josh they Allen got, bailed them out. They got out coached up until Josh Allen drove down the field on that last drive. They got out coached the last, what would that be? 23 minutes or it'd be 22 approximate minutes of that football game because up until eight minutes in that third quarter, they were going great. After that, it was an entire meltdown collapse, collapse from the defense collapse from the offense. I think what I said exactly was it almost felt like Brian Dable packed his shit and said, all right, Leslie, you got this. That's exactly how I felt like that game went. Kind of, it kind of is. And it's not just Brian Dable. It's not just Leslie Frazier. It's not just Sean McDermott. It's all of them. Because coaching goes from top to bottom. It goes from the top right to the last man. 
And you know what? Both of those guys got out coached. And I don't think there's a single person over there at one Bills drive that isn't aware of that because these guys are professionals. They know they got out coached. But Josh Allen took the game on his shoulders and they found a way to win. And that's what good teams do. In those kind of games where you blew a 25-point lead, yet you still find a way to win, that's that's the sign of a successful championship caliber team in my book, to be quite honest with you. Now, can I get your weekly offensive play calling grade? We well, up until that, uh, it, I'd say when they went up twenty-eight to three, I was at about an A plus. There wasn't really anything I didn't like. Those quarterback runs. You you and I had talked about it. You texted me about the quarterback runs down the red zone, and I didn't mind them. I didn't mind them at all. That's exactly where I want to see Josh Allen running the football. But up until then, it was an A plus. After the eight minutes left in the third quarter, from that point on, up until that last drive, can you is it really fair to give any kind of grade for that? There was nothing. There was literally nothing, nothing to speak of. So I'd say overall for this game, I'd give him a B minus. Bam. That's exactly what I have. Exactly what I've written down. I mean, it's hard to argue with 35 points. It really is. If you score 35 points a game in the NFL, you're winning almost every game. However, I didn't like – I have little nitpicky things. I didn't like the amount of times I tried to run into the teeth of the Rams defense, particularly right at Aaron Donald. I didn't like the play calling on the goal line. Um, they had to convert the fourth down play on the Rams' one-yard line. Like, got to punch it in before then. They ran with Singletary right in the middle of the Rams' defensive line, which is one of the strengths of that defense. Um, the Allen rushing touchdown, I didn't like that design run, even though it worked. I thought you are putting him in harm's way, which – I know that I've been an adamant defender that don't bother about putting him in harm's way because what are the odds he gets hurt? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really like that play call in the circumstance. Um, some things I did like, I like the short passes they threw out wide to guys in space to get guys in space. Um, I thought, and I said last week, I thought John Brown might have a big day or I thought Cole Beasley might have a big day. It was the tight ends. It, I mean, <laughs> it, it was like, who would have thought it was, the tight ends took over. I mean, you throw three passing touchdowns to your tight ends. What's the last time that would coming out after, after, you know, you, we know what the bills receiving core is. And your starters not even in the game. Yeah. You exactly. threw, you yeah. threw three touchdowns to tight ends and the starter didn't even play. Then can we talk about the versatility of the bills offense and all of the options that they have? I mean, those are your, what? fourth, fifth, sixth options of who you're throwing the ball to after your top three receivers. And then I, I don't even think Lee Smith is ahead of Deion Dawkins as far as <laughs> to be quite honest with you, but, but keep going. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did throw a touchdown to his left tackle last night. So. Hey, but it's, it's but, a play right out of Dable's playbook. Yeah. I, you can't, you can't give it less. You can't give it C or lower with 35 points, but the offense did have somewhat to blame for, letting the Rams back in the game. I thought it was a lot of getting out coached on defense and then the Bills offense just not executing, um, I think is the reason why they let him get back in the game. And again, Allen had that last drive in him. He had the clutch gene yesterday. You know, I really, I really want to know how you felt about that last drive because it, it really felt like the embodiment of the game to me for Josh Allen because you saw every little bit of Josh Allen in that, in that drive, I felt like. You saw the whole the, the the wild football player that runs around in the backfield and decides to to, to chest up or square up with the, the best defensive player in the NFL. And then you also have the guy that can improvise and find an open man late into the play and make something out of nothing. 
and keep that drive alive. And we saw both of those players. And I think what I take away from that is that after, after when, when it got to third and 22 and he had to throw that ball to somebody and that you essentially have to convert that down or the game's almost over. That's pretty much where they were at. That That's right where they were at. And he found Cole Beasley and Cole Beasley found a way to move the sticks. I think that's right there. That's where Allen regained his composure. That's where Allen settled back in. Because you saw you, – we all watched the same game. And I see a guy that – it looked like the end of the Houston game, to be quite honest with you. It really did. He really looked a lot like that. But guess what? That's where you see the growth. Because in the Houston game, he didn't recompose himself. He just continued going like that. He just he just let his heart keep pumping and pumping and pumping with all the anxiety in the world, all of the adrenaline in the world, all the things that come along with playing clutch football. And then, and then this Sunday, you see the quarterback who's running around there like a chicken with his head cut off for half of the drive, and then the other half of the drive he's executing. And you can say what you like about the pass interference call. I think that's a pass interference. If a defensive back is holding your shoulder and you're trying to run a skinny post route into the end zone for what would have been a touchdown – if he wasn't holding your shoulder, yeah, that's a pass interference. Don't give me none of that shit where it wasn't a pass interference. That was definitely a pass interference in my opinion. The defender stopped the receiver from getting to the spot where the ball was thrown. I mean, that's that's the definition. That's the sure. definition of what it was. Allen threw the ball where the receiver is going to be, and the defensive back prevented the receiver from getting there. That's that, that, that wasn't a, that wasn't an awful call. Like like that's a touchdown if if he doesn't hold him back. Yeah. And to talk about the officiating, I thought that after that, at the end of the game, it evened out. You know, you had the interception and everything, and then the DPI were the two big ones. I thought that after all the calls that went either for or against the Bills, I thought it was even after that. I thought, you know, I don't think that the officials cost either team the game. Yeah, and I think that's the way it should be. You know, yeah, did it look like that that ruling for the interception kind of shifted things? It felt like it definitely helped it out. But I can tell you right now that the momentum was already starting to change. That it just – it didn't it, – go ahead. You're fine. Uh, I'll tell you what. We saw three things from Josh Allen on that last drive. We saw exciting, we saw innovative, and we saw unpredictable, like I said at the top of the show. That's Josh <laughs> Allen. That's a microcosm of Josh Allen's game. And that drive, that's exactly what you get from him week in and week out. He's exciting. He can make the big plays. He's innovative. He finds ways to make the place, and he's unpredictable because we don't know what the hell he's going to do, whether it's going to be grab a defender's face mask and throw him to the ground or escape outside the pocket or or somehow find Cole Beasley for to convert a third and forever. That's what Josh Allen does, or second and forever. Maybe. That's what Josh Allen does, and it's unpredictable, and it is so damn exciting to watch. And it's something we've never seen from a Bills quarterback in you and I's lifetime. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And you know what? I, I like that so much. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a t-shirt and hope to goodness that no one steals my ideas. Because that doesn't happen. But Would I you mean, hear my criticisms of Josh Allen, or are we going to skip those? Do you have criticisms? I do. What are they? Now don't hammer me here because obviously I said that he's been the second best player in the league so far. However, I think there's room for him to be even better. The first thing. He needs to set his feet more when he throws the ball. It's fundamentals. Watching Patrick Mahomes last night on Monday Night Football, when he scrambles and he makes those deep throws, he sets his feet first. A lot of the time, Allen makes it work with passes on the run and little sidearm passes. We know about his arm strength. He can fit the ball in the tight spots. 
But a lot of the time when they throw short passes, he just slings it out. If he would set his feet, it would take away those big, obvious misses. And my mind goes to the play in the end zone um, that he missed earlier in the season when he had the receiver going from side to sideline to sideline across the back of the end zone, wide open, and he overthrew him. If Josh Allen sets his feet on more throws, he becomes more accurate. And it makes him even better now. He's completed 72% of his passes this season. So it's hard to complain about his accuracy, but I think that there's even more room for improvement and setting his feet will take away the potential to miss receivers that exists when he doesn't do so. Hey, there's always room to improve. And the fact that Josh Allen still has room to improve and he's currently the second best player in the, in the national football league. And, you know, you and I both share that opinion. So the fact that that holds true, crazy, crazy. We're talking about the potential for Josh Allen. And I think we're all starting to kind of get a hint of it. We're all kind of starting to realize it. But I think, honestly, the sky is the limit for Josh Allen. It really is. And I think that's as bluntly and as simple as I can put it. Because Jeff, he's throwing at a 72% clip, and he still needs to clean it up. 72% clip. What uh, I don't think we really know what that ceiling is. And I don't I, I don't know how long it's going to take us to find out, but I'm excited to find out. And I, go ahead. Maybe that's just the player he is, the sidearm gunslinger, throwing the ball into precarious places, but making plays. Maybe that's just the player he is. Maybe he's not a super fundamentally driven, set-his-feet guy. But if this is the best of Josh Allen – it's pretty damn good. Um, you know, I feel going into this week's game, Josh Allen could really prove a lot. And it feels like every single game, that's the conversation. It feels like it's always about the Bills proving themselves. I feel like I've said that on every podcast for the last year. It's okay. Well, what can the Bills prove this week? What can the Bills prove this week? Is there something to prove? Oh yeah, because you got a really streaky team that you're playing, and you're going, you're going to the West Coast. Sucks. Has, Sucks. Has, has has Sean McDermott coached a West Coast football game since he arrived at Buffalo? Do you know the answer to that question? I'm guessing it's no. It is a no. It is a no. And that was something that I was really interested to see how they handle going into the season because every coach has particular preferences when going from the when going from coast to coast. Every team has preferences. Sean McVay didn't even want – he wanted to stay on the East Coast between the between the duration of time that it took between um, the, the Eagles game and the Bills game. He wanted to stay on the East Coast. And then that was prior to the COVID, to the COVID problems. But the point is, is I was really intrigued to see what the plan is for Sean McDermott going to the West Coast and how he was going to maintain his players, maintain times, sleep schedules, and whatnot. I was really intrigued to see how it's going to happen. And obviously now everything's going to be far more hush-hush. But that is a, that's a very important tidbit is that this is the first time the Bill or Sean McDermott's had to take this, <clears throat> excuse me, take this team to the West Coast. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to play a part in what is a in a in essentially a seven twenty a seven thirty kickoff for them. And it scares the hell out of me. It di- it didn't seem to bother the Rams too much last week, but it, yeah, it's something the bills haven't done yet this year. They didn't do last year. I mean, since this bills team has morphed this and this identity into a quality playoff caliber football team, they haven't had that specific test yet. Um, 
And this isn't a bad Raiders team that they're going up against. I think they opened a lot of eyes when they beat the Saints. Now, we don't know exactly what the New Orleans Saints are yet this year, but that was a statement win. And I thought the Raiders defense has been, or excuse me, the Raiders offense has been really solid this year. They've had their defensive struggles. They gave up a ton of yards on the ground to New England last week. But, I mean, we talked last week, if you have to get into a shootout with the Rams, we'd take it. And that's essentially what it was. I'll gladly take another shootout this week and trusting Josh Allen to overcome that. But I think that this is you're facing a solid offense, but it's also a opportunity for your defense to get back on track. And we'll get into that when we talk about our keys of the game. Steve, Steve Math corrects me in the chat. Uh, I forgot that Peterman threw uh, or had five turnovers in one half. And lost the it. charge. Yeah. How did we forget that? I, how did we forget that? Why would I want to remember that? that? Why would I want to remember that? Why would I ever <laughs> want to remember that? Josh Allen's turned the ball over less in the last 14 games than Nate Pierman did in two quarters. I That feels like an eternity ago. I was a freshman in college when that happened. I didn't even watch that game. I took a shift at the gas station because I knew it was going to be a slaughter. <laughs> I took a shift. Yep. But anyways, I'm really intrigued by this matchup because I feel like it's a huge opportunity for the Bills, but it's also a huge opportunity for the Raiders because you're talking about a team that, like you touched on, they stunned everybody when they beat the Saints on Monday Night Football. They really did. I wasn't expecting that when I watched it. I wasn't expecting it to be, a, 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 or uh, I wasn't expecting to be as much of a landslide as it was. And then they go out last week and they lay an egg against the Patriots, against Cam Newton and and Bill Belichick. And I don't know what to think of this team, to be quite honest with you. I really don't. And if you're asking me, I kind of have a trap game vibe with this team because do I think the Raiders are? are out of this world team? No. Do I think they're garbage like the New York Jets? No. I think they're a middling team. And I think they're a good team. They're they're a very young team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But talking about that offense and the pieces that <clears throat> they were missing against the Patriots, it definitely makes sense as to why they dropped that game. They didn't have the right tackle. They didn't have they didn't have Trent Brown against the Saints either. But it's not going to help when you're going up against that kind of defense with the New England Patriots. So you didn't have you didn't have Trent Brown. You also lost Richie Incognito. Henry Ruggs was out. He, Henry Ruggs has all sorts of issues right now. He His knee is bothering him, and then a hamstring. You also were missing Brian Edwards in that game. There's a lot of injuries for this Raiders team. They're one of those teams that have suffered from that injury bug that we've talked about since coming back from, that, from the COVID preseason. So it's intriguing to me because – while I do feel like this team has a ton of talent, I do feel like they also have a lot of injuries that are holding them back. So you're not getting them at their at, at their ideal position. But I will say this, the one player that I feel like would impact this game the most if they were to get him back, Trent Brown, he is slotted to come back against the Bills unless there is some sort of setback that we have yet to hear about on a Tuesday. So he missed he missed last week's game. He missed the week before. They didn't place him on, on temporary injured reserve, which is only three weeks. So you have to assume that they're probably going to bring him back this week or, or despite their unless there's a setback and they also will be missing one their number two cornerback officer Trayvon Mullen uh Damon Arnett to a thumb injury that could that could sideline him up to a month and a half according to uh, I believe it was Ian Rappaport yeah the Raiders secondary is a really interesting case study here you know you have Arnett who's rookie and then they start Mullen opposite of him who's a second year player and now you might have to bring in a player such as like an Isaiah Johnson who's also a second year player so their secondary is very young and 
that's something you can take advantage of if you're Josh Allen and especially with the wideouts you have. But I think that the real offensive key to victory for the Buffalo Bills this week is to run the football. Last week, Sony Michelle ran up for 117 yards on nine carries against the Raiders. That is absurd. And Devin Singletary is at least equal or better of a running back as Sony Michelle. And other than that, you got to take advantage of their inexperienced secondary, especially with Arnett being out. That was going to be my big thing was if Arnett's your top corner, how is he going to fare against Stefan Diggs, a veteran receiver who is leading the NFL and receiving or was coming into this week. Um, now that he's out, you're, you're going to see even more shuffling back there. I think, I don't know what they're going to do as far as their coverages and their assignments. It's going to be interesting to see how they will attack uh, the bills passing offense. But if you can run this football, then you are going to have a big game. If you're the bills offense, Cam Newton threw for 155 yards against this team last week and the Patriots scored 36 points. I know they had a defensive touchdown, but still, I mean, that's not a lot of passing yards for again. And you're going against a team whose quarterback is averaging over 350 or close to 350 passing yards per game. So there's really a lot of opportunities to beat up on this banged up Raiders defense. If you're the bills. Yeah. I think that them being beat up along with the fact that they're a young team, they really are. I think that's kind of what's led to their miscues on that side of the ball. But one player in particular that I love in the Raiders secondary is Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram. John Abram, he is dynamite. Dynamite for that defense. He's flying all over the field, making all sorts of plays for this team. He is definitely one of those guys that gives that defense all sorts of energy, all sorts of charisma. He is a playmaker. He really is. He's a playmaker on that Raiders defense, and he's a player that people should be very weary about. And I do see what the Raiders have tried to do to rebuild this defense. Don't get me wrong. I, I like some of the pieces they have in place, but maybe next season. I think so. I think next season, this is definitely a team the Bills have to worry about if they're still in the AFC uh, championship conversation by that point. Specifically, one player I'm really concerned about is Max Crosby because they do have Cleveland Farrell. They're their top five pick. Yes, he was overdrafted. I'm not going to have that conversation, but he was absolutely overdrafted. But they made up for it with Max Crosby. And Max Crosby is a very talented, very big, powerful football player. And I'm very interested to see not only where he lines up, but how whoever he's lined up against plays, whether it's Deion Dawkins or whether it's Darrell Williams on the other side, assuming Darrell Williams is going to play tackle this week consider i mean they did have shuffling along the interior that doesn't mean they're due to change the tackles but it does mean that they're not they're, they're not afraid to change up this offensive line midseason. so my point is i'm really looking forward to seeing how this team handles their yin and yang pass rush with cleveland failure on one side and then max crosby on the other and i think it's actually a really good test for this team because those two i think that, that that's similar to what this whole raiders team is they're not out-of-the-world talents, but they are damn good quality football players that, are, that that this Bills offensive line is going to be tested by. This is a good team, the Raiders. I don't know if we really know their identity yet. I mean, they go from beating the Saints to getting beat up pretty bad by the Patriots. Maybe they're a team that plays well at home because they had their home opener on Monday Night Football. That was a big game. They came out and they played really well. And if they're, if they're a team that just plays well at home, then that isn't good news if you're the Bills, but we don't know that. And those are some of the decisions that we, you know, we can't really make three weeks into the season. But 
I think they have a lot of talent, but like you said, I just don't think they're quite there yet. Now we had that conversation about the dolphins two weeks ago where we thought the dolphins were building something good, but they were just a few years away. Obviously I think the Raiders are a lot closer to that playoff caliber than the dolphins are, but I agree with you that I just don't think they're quite there yet. Um, if you're the bills defense, force turnovers from this team, force them to make mistakes. The Raiders have fumbled four times in three games and they've all cost them help your offense out and take the ball away from Vegas. I really, really think that this is another opportunity for the bills offense to just have an enormous day. I think it, it, I agree with you in that sense that it's definitely opportunity the bills will have their chances. The bills offense will have their chances against this Raiders defense. I think that holds true through all four quarters that the bills will have their opportunities. However, what I am concerned about on that defensive side of the ball, and this is why I said it when we were talking about the defensive laps against the Rams last week, I am 110% concerned about this Ram, this Raiders offensive line. This Raiders offensive line is very, very good on the right side, assuming Trent Brown comes back this week. You're talking about veteran center Rodney Hudson as well as interior lineman Gabe Jackson. These two have played for this team what feels like for ever and they have both been at the top of their game for a very long time two of the top interior offensive linemen in the league playing on the same team they're part of the reason why the bills have a guy named john feliciano now because that guy he he was playing a starting caliber when he was playing in place for for gabe jackson uh, for for the raiders back when they were in los angeles but he didn't have a spot to start so he went and signed with buffalo and honestly while the Raiders' right side of the offensive line is where I see have the most concern, the Raiders' left side of their offensive line is where I see the most opportunity for this Bills defense. You're talking about offensive tackle Colton Miller, who has had his fair share of struggles throughout his short two-year career. And they will also have rookie offensive lineman John Simpson from Clemson be starting at left guard in place for Richie Incognito, who's been placed on injured reserve and and will be missing a majority of this season, or I think all this season with a torn Achilles. I forget I forget if he if it was to that severity. But the point is, is they're not going to have their starting left guard, and their left tackle is subpar. And I think Colt Miller is nowhere near the same player that he is uh, at left tackle as he was as he is with Richie Incognito next to him. I think that. We, we know Richie Incognito. We know the quality football player he is on the field. I'm not worried about him throwing weights at people in the weight room. He's a crazy man. Yeah, I'm not messing with him outside of football. I'm not messing with him on the football field. That's a crazy man. But anyways, he has definitely helped Colton Miller and his, and his issues from these previous two seasons. So now with him out of the lineup, I think that's definitely going to make life a little bit more difficult for Colton Miller, and it's definitely going to make life a little more difficult for John Simpson along the interior. And I think there is a ton of opportunity to be found on that side of the offensive line. But we have seen how offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches are able to kind of hide or, or bad, bad offensive line play, whether it be on one side of the line. Because let's not forget – that's kind of what the Bills did, only on the opposite side, when they had a left tackle in Cordy Glenn and then Richie Incognito and a center with Eric Wood. But then on the right side, they had John Miller and Jordan Mills. So we've seen, quote-unquote, successful offensive lines with poor play from 40% of the lineup. But yet again, they are still successful offensive lines. So I'm really interested to see how this Bills defense is choosing to attack that left side of the offensive line and how they're choosing to counterpunch the power that they have coming at them on the right side. 
Yeah, it's it's both a challenge and an opportunity for the Bills defensive line, which is a unit that I think has been somewhat lacking this year. Now, we, we know the run stoppage has been very good, but the Bills pass rush has been subpar so far this season. And I think that you're going to have to take away one of the dimensions of the Raiders offense. If you can slow down Josh Jacobs and make Derek Carr throw the ball 40, 50 times, you're probably going to win. Or if you can take away the passing game and make their make them run the football consistently, even when they don't want to, or maybe if they're behind in the game, you're going to have a good shot to win the game, but you need to take away one of those things. And if you're the bills defensive line, it starts with you and doing that, keep up the good run defense or get rush, get pressure on the quarterback and make them make, make car, excuse me, get the ball out of his hand quickly or make them throw short passes. Don't let them throw the ball downfield. You got to take away one of the facets of their offense. Silos Pineda, I will get to your question in just a moment, but there is a point I'd like to make. So really the way I feel about this Raiders offense is last week when you saw the Rams come back from that 28-3 deficit, you saw a team after that fourth, after that fourth down attempt near midfield, Sean McVay fell right back. He pulled himself right out of the fire because he was starting to get very undisciplined. He was starting to make stupid mistakes. He shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down in that situation, but he did, and his team didn't get it. It could have really screwed their team. And they were down 28, 28 to 3 because of it. So Sean McVay at that point in time, he could have gone one, two directions. He could have stuck to his game plan, stuck to his guns, and done what his offense is meant to do. Or he could have let Jared Goff try and sling the ball all over Bill Stadium and sling it all over the bill all over the Bills secondary and try and just get chunk plays. Sean McVay stuck to his guns. He stuck to his game plan. It was probably it was really impressive. It was really really impressive. I was impressed with it. It showed a ton of mental discipline for him to do that. And it's something that I hope to see from the Bills offensive coordinator when when, when things aren't going the Bills way. Now, can I say all of the same things about John Gruden? No. I don't think he's going to be nearly as composed if he's down 28 to three in this game. And Derek Carr is not a quarterback that you are going to throw 45 plus times per game and be successful. It's just not going to happen like that. There was, there was a point in time where we thought it may be like that for Derek Carr, but that point in time has come and passed long ago. It has gotten so bad with, with John Gruden's content or, or how content or how little content he has with Derek Carr that he signs Marcus Mariota, and he has and he has uh, Nate Peterman on the roster. Who's that? Well, I, I just – I don't think that this offense is nearly what the Bills were playing last week. And I think if you see the Bills get up on this team, any, co comparable to anything that they did last week to the Rams, anything, you are going to see that team crumble. You will see that team fall. You will see Derek Carr turn the ball over. You will see them get away from the running game with Josh Jacobs, which make no mistake about it, that's the best part of that offense. Josh Jacobs is a damn good running back, and that is a damn good offensive line. That is the best part of the offense is their running game and their offensive line. And I feel like if the Bills offense can jump out to a lead similar to how they did against the Rams, you won't be talking about a 25-point comeback. You'll be talking about the Las Vegas massacre. That's what's that. That's what it'd be. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. This Raiders offense, while a respectable unit, they don't have the quick strike big play ability that the Rams do. The Rams are one of the few offenses in the NFL that 
is able to come back from a deficit like that. And yeah, you don't, you, if you're the Raiders, you don't want to have to throw the ball a bunch because Josh Jacobs is effectively your best player and your running game is the best thing you have going for you. So if you have, if you're forced to throw the ball a ton, you're, I don't think that they're going to have the capability to come back like the Rams did. They're not that type of offense. They don't have those type of weapons that the Rams do. And yeah, I don't think that Gruden is the offensive mind or they have an offensive mind that can do what McVay did to get the Rams back in that game. So I would feel I would feel a lot more safe with the same kind of league lead this week than I did last week. I, I just I just, oh whoa I almost removed Jeff from the stream. That would be very bad because then it'd just be my ugly face filling up your screens. But anyways, I I just feel like that's what it comes down to. Sean McVay versus Sean McDermott. That's a battle. That's a battle, and that's what it was Sunday. Was it the first half when they were, or was it the first? What would you say? The the first 38 minutes of the game? No, it wasn't. But the last 22 were. That, that was definitely a battle. That was a fight. And that was the fight we were expecting. John Gruden and, and, and Sean McDermott. John Gruden's won a Super Bowl. He's won, he's won two Super Bowls. John Gruden is a very decorated coach. But he stepped away for a reason. And it took $100 million to get that dude out of a comfy chair at ESPN for a reason. And... Don't get me wrong. I love what him and Tom McShay are – not Tom McShay, excuse me. Oh, goodness. Is it, oh, Mike Mayock. There we go. Wow, that was awful. I love what Mike Mayock and John Gruden are building in Las Vegas. I think that's going to be a damn good team. But this year the damn good team is the Buffalo Bills. This year that team, the Bills are that team this year. Josh Allen is that quarterback this year. Derek Carr isn't playing with Josh Allen. I know everybody has seen – I know everybody has seen that picture of Josh Allen and uh, Derek Carr standing next to each other at a quarterback camp in Fresno State when they were kids, and it's gonna be it, it's gonna be ironic this weekend. It really is. I feel like you're going to see another big performance from Allen, and you're kind of gonna see the Bills do what they're supposed to do against a team like the Las Vegas Raiders. Should we pick the game then? Should we? Uh, who do you got? The Bills are three point favorites on the road. Who you got? think there's going to be a lot of offense definitely from the Bills and maybe from the Raiders. And I just have a feeling going across the country, the Raiders have shown us stuff before this season, especially at home. I think it's going to be a one-score game either way. I really do. I know that some people think that the Bills offense is just going to be too much for the Raiders, but I think that either way, it's going to be a one-score game. I've got the Bills 34-28. to 34-28. What are we saying after the Bills defense lets up 28 points to the Raiders? What do we say? It depends on how it happened, really. I mean, it, those points could come. However, I, they could have a, a turnover on offense, special teams play. I just think that I think that's where we are right now, and I think that's realistic. When you when you put it that way, yeah, it does seem like a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a gut feeling for this game. And I really have since that since the Rams game ended. I I really have, and I had this gut feeling watching over the Raiders tape. I had this gut feeling rewatching Bills tape. I really did, and I just don't think this is going to be close. I really don't. I don't think it's going to be a one possession game. I don't think it's going to be a two possession game. I think the Bills go to Las Vegas and make that brand new shiny stadium their their West Coast home. I think that's what they're going to do with Las Vegas this weekend. I have the Bills winning 37 
to 17. A bounce back game for that defense, and that offense keeps doing what they're doing. I don't think I think that this one isn't close throughout the whole game. I think the Bills separate themselves early, and, and, and Derek Carr does a little bit of a, a thing, a couple things that Derek Carr does. Now, with that, with the Bills predictions out of the way. We got to continue this because Jeff, he's up 16 points to eight on me in our predictions. And since we don't want to take up too much of your time, we're going to make this quick. We're picking the Jets at the, or the, excuse me, the Broncos at the Jets, Seattle at Miami, and Kansas City visiting New England, all divisional opponents. We would be picking the, 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 the uh, Titans visiting or the Steelers visiting the Titans this week. However, with all, with, with all the uncertainty surrounding the Titans as a franchise right now, with their uh, lackadaisical protocols for for COVID nineteen, or at least that's how I interpreted it. I, I, we're just going to stay away from that because we don't know. We, we just don't know yet. So first off, Denver at Jets. Who you got, Jeff? This is just a shitty game. No way around it. But the Broncos will pull it out sixteen to ten. Not a whole lot of offense. There's not really a whole lot of potential for there to be offense based on who is on these two teams. So I, mean, I probably won't watch it. But sixteen to ten. Probably. What do you have? You would have nothing better to do on a Thursday night than watch another COVID bowl or what? I mean, there's playoff baseball on, but no, but I mean, I did watch the game last Thursday night. So <laughs> I got the Broncos winning. I'll say 17, six, 17, six Broncos. Now Seattle at Miami, who you got Seahawks are going to score a bunch of points on the Dolphins like the Bills did. I see this being a similar game to the uh, when the Bills played the Dolphins because the, the quarterbacks on the Seahawks and the Bills are playing similarly right now. Seahawks 30, Dolphins 20. Okay, okay. I'm going to take the I'm going to take Seattle winning 27 to 17. Now, Kansas City going to New England. Who you got? Kansas City looked so damn good last night. They're too much. I think their defense. I think their defense, especially, made a statement last night. A lot of oh, people yeah. going into that game against the Ravens said the defense maker would be the Ravens defense or is better than the Chiefs defense. I think they kind of changed that conversation. Mahomes takes care of business. Chiefs twenty eight, Patriots seventeen. You know, I I really hate having the same picks throughout because that's just not how you come back. But I hate the Patriots more than I hate being or hate losing in a little uh, friendly competition. So I got I, I to gotta go with, what, with, what's, with what's true. You know, Kansas City is going to win this game. I feel like it's going to kind of be a contest. I'm going to say Kansas City 27-20. So, hey, maybe I'll be able to dig myself out of this hole, or maybe I just keep on digging because I think last week I had all of three points because I picked three games correctly, and that's just awful, awful, abysmal abysmal jeff it's been a really fun show thank you to everyone that took time out of their evenings to tune in and if you aren't tuning in and you're listening on itunes or spotify thank you for tuning in jeff please tell the people where they can find you if they choose to you can find me on twitter at real j u v e i n o thank you everybody for tuning in this was our second live show i thought it went really well i've had a lot of fun on both of these and i'm really happy that we're going to be on these platforms going forward yeah and speaking of those platforms be sure to follow the Cold Front Report on all social media platforms if you haven't yet. That's at Cold Front Report on Twitter, at Cold Front Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, and Cold Front Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. And if you'd like to find me on Twitter, it's at CFR Clayton. And on Instagram, it's the same exact thing, at CFR Clayton. 
And hey, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report.